Well, William Shatner is back on Earth, but I don't know if the rest of us are. After Shatner became the oldest person ever to go to space yesterday, here is Shatner just a moments after landing. What you have given me is the most profound experience I can imagine. I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. All right, that's William Shatner to a Jeff Bezos, as he, of course, was in Bezos' Blue Origin spacecraft. Let's welcome in space expert Paul Delaney for more. He joins us now on Global News Radio. And, Paul, just first off, give us your reaction to yesterday. Uh, well, I mean, at many levels, it was just the next step in space tourism, developing low Earth orbit uh, for you and me. So I was you know, tickled pink that it had uh, gone off seemingly flawlessly. Uh, William Shatner, you know, my hero as Captain Kirk from 55 years ago, eh, he looked a little emotional there, but uh, that's what happens when you get to see the Earth from 100 kilometers up, I guess. Yeah, and you know, I wanted to discuss this with you this afternoon because I'm wondering what this does do for space tourism. I mean, this is just a, another in a long list of flights that Bezos, Branson, and Musk have been uh, making over the last uh, few months. But this one felt, anyways, to me, a little different, Paul, because... You know, to your point, Bill Shatner is somebody we've all known for pretty much all of our lives, right? Uh, he's been uh, world famous uh, forever. And when you see somebody like that, somebody that, uh, you know, you feel you know, uh, does it make this whole thing a little more tangible, a little more real for people? Oh, I think it does. And, and that's one of the reasons that uh, Jeff Bezos invited uh, William Shatner to fly. The more we can relate to this endeavor, not just, you know, you know, like people going to the airport, jumping on a plane and flying away, you know, leaving on a jet plane and so on. The more we can relate to this new venture, the better it is going to be for the entire business model. And I don't want to be crass about it, but I mean, it is a business model uh, flying into Earth orbit. We're talking about creating industries up there and giving you and I the opportunity for a different pastime. I mean, you know, be, be you know, going around the world on cruise ships or, you know, flying in balloons. Everybody likes to find something different to do. Uh, and, you know, space tourism is going to fill a part of that niche, but it is part of the bigger business model. So, yeah, I think the more we can relate to the people, the more we are going to recognize this as a bona fide venture into a new arena. And let's talk about that business model a little further and a little more in depth, because uh, if we look out uh, 10, 15, even 25 years from now, space tourism really does take hold and become something, uh, Paul. It opens up all kinds of different uh, jobs, I mean, space jobs, and we're not talking about flying to the International Space Station and uh, working uh, as an astronaut, uh, but to your point about cruise ships earlier, there could be people in the hospitality industry working in outer space. Absolutely. Uh, we've already seen over the last couple of decades a huge movement uh, towards the space industry. Countries around the world are spending billions, tens of billions of dollars developing the space hardware that you and I use and take for granted. I mean, the, the latest one that perhaps is, is the highest profile are all these Starlink satellites that are giving Internet capability all around the globe, even in remote areas where we can't build the, the physical infrastructure on the ground. Now you just look up and you can connect to the Internet. The space industry is absolutely huge, and there are more startup companies happening now than ever before. So make no mistake, the, the space industry is going ahead very, very rapidly. What we're seeing now, though, is the 
the, the larger infrastructure that allows people to actually join that endeavor. So far, it's been satellites, robotic technology, and so on. The push to put people in orbit on private space stations, in private hotels, you are going to see that within the next 10 years, I would expect. Not the 2001 space station from you know Arthur Clarke and so on back in, in the 60s, but nonetheless, smaller little outposts where people with you know the, the disposable income can go spend a weekend or a week in orbit. There are many companies that are planning those ventures right now. I was going to ask you, is there a meetings and boardrooms going on right now? Let's say a Hilton, just to take a, one example of a hotel. Are they thinking about a Space Hilton? I, I can't answer whether Hilton is, but there are private companies that are building space-worthy habitats. And there is, in fact, a prototype already docked at the International Space Station. Bigelow Industries docked an inflatable uh, habitat to the International Space Station three years ago to test its viability, their radiation exposure, its uh, ability to withstand low Earth orbit. It's passed with flying colors. So this is not something that is just in the boardrooms. Some of that technology is already in orbit. This is incredible. This is just mind-blowing when you think about what is the logical extension of this. We really are just at the beginning of uh, what is, uh, I think, uh, something that is pretty amazing that we're going to watch unfold in the next uh, 15, uh, 25 years. When you talk again about uh, companies uh, planning uh, for this, uh, jobs, I mean, could you... I don't know, Paul, see a day where an employee does what Shatner did, uh, you know, yesterday, goes up to space, works the eight-hour shift, and comes back down to Earth, home to their family? Uh, that one, probably not. I mean, okay. just the, the cost logistics of it, you know, going up and back. If you take all of the effort to get into orbit, you're not going to bring them back in a, hundred, in a hurry. We don't even do that to the International Space Station, you know. Uh, the space shuttle would be in orbit, generally speaking, for 10, 12 days. We're now putting people on board the ISS for in excess of six months. The standard stay is four months. Uh, six months is pretty common. Nine months is becoming more routine. Even the Chinese Space Agency is just about to launch their next crew, their, their uh, version of the International Space Station, on a three-month venture. So, no, I don't think we're going to do shift work to and fro before, <laughs> but, but on timescales of, say, a couple of weeks, I could see it happening. Yes. Okay, Paul, I also wanted to ask you about the future of a space travel just in the short term here, because as you well know, there's been a lot of criticism when it comes to uh, these billionaires, uh, Musk, Branson, and uh, Bezos, uh, doing these uh, missions over the last uh, few months. Prince William, as a matter of fact, uh, out today criticizing this billionaire space race, saying that there's enough problems to deal with here on Earth, that we need to solve those. But to your point that you made earlier about uh, William Shatner and just kind of vocalizing his experience and encouraging others to experience what he did uh, yesterday. If more people can see the Earth from a different perspective, might that help, do you think, solve some of the problems that we do have here on the actual planet? Certainly listening to all of the astronauts that have come back from space, they sing the same tune, that when they look down from orbit or from a great height, you don't see boundaries. You see a very fragile planet. You see people spread across the globe and you don't see them uh, with individual flags and countries and so on. The overview effect is how it's commonly referred to. I would like to believe that if more of us did this, 
there would be a greater sense of unity of the planet. Uh, I'm probably a little idealistic in believing that, but, you know, I, I do like to see the best in people. And if we can give them the opportunity to be able to see us all as one, gosh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Carl Sagan and the, the, the pale blue dot image from 1989 was the first time this was really a, a very tangible thing. You know, he, he imaged from the Voyager spacecraft, our planet, all six billion of us on literally just one tiny little pixel in space. You know, space is huge. And, you know, to divide us with petty differences when we look at the enormity of the universe, yeah, it's a sobering reflection on what we should be doing down here. Yeah, well said. And listen, change our perspective. If you change your perspective and see the Earth literally in a different way, then figuratively, you might see the Earth in a different way. Really, correct. Yeah, really appreciate the time as always, Paul. Thanks so much. All right. Cheers, Jeff. All right. There is our space expert, Paul Delaney, with us on William Shatner's historic mission completed uh, yesterday. Shatner now, of course, the oldest man, the oldest person to ever go into outer space at the age of 90. And we're back after this here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.